0: everyone, this is Mike Lindstedt, president and co-founder of the Nehemiah Project. You are listening to the Nehemiah Project podcast, where we replace hopelessness with hope. Well, we're back on our podcast series entitled Biblical Answers to Modern Questions. We're going to be looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 9 today and continue our discussion on the topic of how does a Christian make decisions in the gray areas of life? And I am excited to report to you, listener, that I am joined today <laughs> by Pastor Chad Wiles. Chad, how you doing, bud? I'm back. How's vacation? It
1: was fun. Swam with some manatees. Nice. It was awesome.
0: And are those uh, violent creatures? I'm not no. sure.
1: Okay. Uh, you could reach. We were kayaking with them. We weren't actually swimming, but we just reached over the edge and pat them on the head. They came up out. They just they just eat grass.
0: They're, just, <laughs> they're the sea cows. They're literally sea cows. Okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> If you try
1: to like jump on its back or something, it might yeah. slosh around. And but other, I mean, it's they're used to people coming through there. It what do they feel like?
0: Are they like rough or no? It kind
1: of like I don't know. It kind of feels like if you touch the back of a cow. Really? Yeah, it's very wide, kind of, a little bit slimy, but yeah, I I only know what touching a cow feels like because I grew up on a farm with cows. That's right. But it it had a very similar type of. <laughs> type it's of experience. a sea
0: cow. Sea cow. Well, good, man. I was glad to have you back. Um, I'm glad to have you back. Um, I did say last week mm-hmm. that I was looking forward to getting into this topic with you um, just because of your wisdom from the counseling room. <clears throat> There's so many, you know, areas in life mm-hmm. that are gray, yeah. meaning, you know, the Bible doesn't like explicitly speak to them. Yeah. Um, the Bible obviously gives us principles uh, mm-hmm. that will guide us through our life. And we went over those principles in last week's podcast, but essentially... The, the two guiding principles that we have to remember is that we have to do everything out of love for God and for the believers. Mm-hmm. Love meaning the self-sacrificing love. Um, and, and Paul sums that up essentially with these words, whatever you do, mm-hmm. do for the glory of God. Right. right. So we do everything out of love and second principle is we do that while not violating our conscience, mm-hmm. which is assumedly being... Uh, informed by the word of God, right? right? So I said this last week, but I'll say it again, that everything we talk about on these podcasts is just head knowledge. If you don't actually read the Bible, yeah, you got to read it every day. You got to learn it. You have to know it. Um, And the reason why is it feeds your spirit. Yeah. And there's so many Christians today walking around who are spiritually emaciated. Like they're starving. They eat once a week. And that's when they go to church for maybe an hour.
1: And if you don't go to a great church, you might be eating. <laughs> you might not be. You might be eating sugar. You might just be eating stuff
0: that's going to kill you. Who knows, right? Right. And so the reality is, listeners, that um, if if we're not reading the scriptures, if we're not praying to the Lord uh, on a regular basis, like every minute of every day, would be optimal, right? Mm-hmm. But obviously, we're not. Uh, we don't do that all the time, right? But the point is, if we're not walking with God. Right? Then um, we're really putting ourselves in a precarious position. Mm-hmm. We're really exposing ourselves to the deceitful schemes of the devil. And so when it comes to these gray areas, those are the two principles. You got to do everything out of love. Paul said uh, in verse 13 of chapter 8, he said, Therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never eat meat lest I make my mm-hmm. brother stumble. Right? Mm-hmm. We talked about how they had this issue with food that had been sacrificed to idols or offered to idols right Right. and so paul just said look there's nothing wrong with meat like there's no demons there's no idols actually possessing the meat Uh, it's just food and god's given us all food for to Mm -hmm. enjoy um but caveat if someone sees me eating that food and they think they still have this quote-unquote weak conscience as he said that this food is actually possessed by demons or idols. And, right. and they may think that I'm actually taking part in the sacrifice to those demons and idols. So therefore, if it's going to make my brother stumble, I will forego my freedom right. that I have in Christ. And so, you know, I use the That's modern damn. day sort of application of, you know, if you got someone, mm-hmm. I use myself as like an ex-alcoholic, let you know, say me and you, Chad, go out to get mm-hmm. some chicken wings or something. I know you like chicken wings. <laughs> Y'all can't see his face, but he just got happy. Now you're speaking my love language. Go ahead, Mike. So if we went to Buffalo Wild Wings, right? And you're sweating because we're eating the hottest, you know, chicken wings you can imagine.
1: It's my favorite way to go.
0: And you wanted to get like a Bud Light or something like that. You are totally within the right of doing that. There is nothing wrong with enjoying a beer. Caveat. Yeah. If you are someone who doesn't struggle with alcohol like myself mm-hmm. i've been down that road way too many times i know i'm just gonna forego it because yeah. i don't want to open myself up to the possibility of falling back right. into temptation so if you and i go out to eat and yeah. you know that about me you would out of love either just forego it 100 percent or say hey mike would you mind if i had a beer and then depending on how i am right mm-hmm. now for me personally fine go ahead doesn't bother me but for other people they might not be that comfortable with it right so in that case, there's an there is an example of what, you know, in Paul's day they were mm-hmm. talking about. It's the same principles, right? Yeah. And so when we when we read the scriptures, like I said last week, we have to understand they're written in a different time period, different historical context, different cultural context. Mm-hmm. But sometimes if it's not immediately applicable, there there may be a timeless principle in there that we can draw out.
1: Absolutely. That one's kind of known as the weaker brother principle. Mm-hmm. But also the principle there too is If you can't do something in faith, meaning that you have a check in your conscience, even if you know, like that was a great example for you, Mike, is you probably, I would say, knowing you, feel like you're pretty free. If you had a taste of beer, you you probably feel pretty confident you wouldn't jump back into alcoholism or anything Mm -hmm. like that. But you still have a check in your spirit about it. So for you to drink alcohol actually would be sin to you because Mm -hmm. the Bible says you have to be able to do it in faith. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's a guiding principle for us as well, because the Lord did give us a conscience. Now our conscience, like you said, has to be educated and matured through the the gospel and through the Holy Spirit's help. But if there's something that if you yourself just can't do it in faith, you have a check about it, even if it's technically okay, or we're free to do, Mm. you should not do it. Right? There's a reason why you're, you're, you have that check in your, your spirit. Yeah.
0: And so, um, I wrote down in my notes here, just kind of summing up chapter 8 before we move on to chapter 9, which is where we're going to be today. In chapter 8, verse 1, they were talking about how, you know, we all possess knowledge, quote unquote. That mm-hmm. was a saying in the Corinthian church. You know, we all have this knowledge that Christ has set us free from sin, right? Mm-hmm. That's that's the implicit thing there. And so, you know, what I wrote down here in my notes, what's indicative of that first chapter in this section here believers belong to jesus the supreme Mm. deity and they have his delegated authority slash influence slash power because they belong to him therefore because of this reality we have freedom to act by faith according to the contents of the revealed word which renews our mind and educates our conscience Mm. so that kind of sums up everything we just said that sums up chapter eight right yeah because we have actually been freed from sin Right, And Jesus says in chapter eight of John, when the son sets you free, you are free indeed. That's right. We have freedom to number one, serve Christ, um, but we also have freedom to enjoy God's creation. However, we have to understand our own infirmities, our own tendencies. We have to, uh, in other words, know thyself, right? Yeah. Um, and, And know thyself according to scripture, especially. Okay, well, let's move to chapter nine. Chapter nine, uh, Paul follows his typical structurally fashion here, where in the preceding chapter, he'll lay down a main principle. He'll address a particular concern of the Corinthian church, and then he'll digress. He'll take Mm -hmm. that main principle and apply it to other situations. So we're gonna see that here in chapter nine. We're also just gonna see some of Paul's heart as a pastor. Mm -hmm. You know, Paul is a a very intense man. He's an extremely passionate, educated uh, ex Pharisee, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, the guy knows the word. Um, and now that he knows Christ, he really knows the word. Yeah. And so, uh, we're going to see some of Paul's heart here as well. So Chad, why don't I just read this, um, this section here. And that way you can kind of think of what you want to do, uh, as far as us going back through it. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Chapter nine in first Corinthians says this, am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus, our Lord? Are you not my workmanship in the Lord? Or who tends to a flock without getting some of the milk? Do I say these things on human authority? Does not the law say the same? For it is written in the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain. Is it for oxen that God is concerned? Does he not certainly speak for our sake? It was written for our sake because the plowman should plow in hope and the thresher thresh in hope of sharing in the crop. If we have sown spiritual things among you, is it too much if we reap material things from you? If others share this rightful claim on you, do not we even more? Nevertheless, we have not made use of this right, but we endure everything rather than put an obstacle in the way of the gospel of Christ. Do you not know that those who are employed in the temple service get their food from the temple and those who serve at the altar share in the sacrificial offerings? In the same way, the Lord commanded that those who proclaim the gospel should get their living by the gospel. But I have made no use of any of these rights nor am I writing these things to secure such position, such provision from you. For I would rather die than have anyone deprive me of my ground for boasting. For if I preach the gospel, that gives me no ground for boasting. For necessity is laid upon me. In fact, woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. For if I do this of my own will, I have a reward. But if not of my own will, I am still entrusted with a stewardship. Well, what then is my reward? That in my preaching, I may present the gospel free of charge so as not to make full use of my right in the gospel. For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews, I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I may win those who are under the law. To those who are outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in its blessings. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. So long section, but pretty straightforward at what Mm -hmm. he's getting at. Mm -hmm. And I love how he goes back to the Old Testament even to kind of draw some of these, you know, um, if it applies, if this principle applies to such a small thing as oxen, how much more then, right. right, to those who, who work in the fields of the gospel, in mm-hmm. God's field, as he said earlier on in this book. So so Chad, you know, what What do we see here? What are some points that we should make? There's obviously a lot going on mm-hmm. here, but I think the point is pretty clear, and, and it's pretty much summed up in verse 22. Uh, he has become all things to all people, so that by all means he may save some. I do all do it all for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them in the blessings of the gospel.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of principles here. Really, Paul's talking about the choice to surrender his rights for the sake of the gospel. Obviously, he's, um, he's responding to a criticism of his. Yeah. Um, that they must have been criticizing Paul for doing it for the money, for the gain. Mm-hmm. And actually, Paul in Corinth worked as a tent maker. He actually didn't take the money. Yeah. And he gave up those rights. But he makes it very clear that for those who preach the gospel, who work as a soldier, you know, defends the country, as someone who plants vineyards, as someone who tends the flock, like that, you should expect to share in the in those things, and it, and mm-hmm. it's right. He you know he goes on to say very clearly and plainly in verse fourteen. In the same way, the Lord commanded that those who proclaim the gospel should get their living by the gospel. Yeah, Paul would have been completely in in his right to labor. In preaching the gospel and teaching and and discipling the church mm. to be, to be provided for through the church, mm-hmm. as we see today with with uh, vocational ministers, pastors, mm-hmm. and 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 staff and such, nothing wrong with that. Yeah, but there are some who who maybe in their conscience, as Paul seemed to to have here, chose maybe because it was a such a society of of um wealth and affluence, wealth and and affluence and, that he chose yeah. not to or chose to to do that so that they could not accuse him of such things so that the gospel would not be hindered we're not sure yeah. but but he chose to do that and sometimes we need to do that uh, so paul in this he's talking about the freedoms that we have and and the rights that we have but sometimes it's right to forego those rights for the sake of the gospel, and I think that's the biggest principle to draw from this chapter yeah there are such situations and seasons of life that maybe what God is pressing upon our hearts to do is to forego a freedom in order that the gospel may be advanced or may not be hindered
0: mm-hmm. yeah, that's a good point <clears throat> I just want to speculate here, and I think it's you know an educated speculation here cuz you go to Romans chapter 7 mm. Paul is speaking and he says for I would not have known what it is to covet if the law had not said you shall not covet mm. and i've heard i've read some commentators that would suggest that Paul had a covet coveting problem mm. right um so maybe that's why he chose to forego money, right? Who who knows, right? Maybe that's the
1: thorn in the flesh that he talks about in 2 Corinthians, right? Who knows,
0: right? Uh, But nonetheless, what you said, Paul, Paul, Chad, (laughs) uh, is exactly the point that Paul's trying to make. Mm -hmm. Um, He's gonna forego his rights. And I I do wanna dive a little bit deeper into that accusation that you had mentioned. Mm -hmm. You know, um, if you read throughout the New Testament, especially in Acts, There were some real hardships going on with the church that was located in Jerusalem, some real economic hardships. Mm -hmm. Um, There was a a massive famine in that area of the world um, right around the time of Pentecost when the church was born. Um, And that was very problematic for the Jerusalem saints. Um, That was very problematic for those Jews who came into the city of Jerusalem for the Feast of Pentecost, who then got saved and then Mm -hmm. didn't want to leave Jerusalem. They wanted to stay with the the brothers and sisters in Christ. You know, why not, right? Mm And there's so many amazing miracles happening. That was like the place to be, right? Um, And then on top of that, you had the economic hardship caused by the famine. And so... Paul would go around uh, on his mis- various missionary trips and he would tell the Gentile churches that your brothers and sisters in Jerusalem are really struggling financially. Mm-hmm. And and he would go and gather a, a, a large offering mm-hmm. of money. And so, you know, Paul had some haters. He had yeah. some haters out there. Yeah. And uh, they were known as the Judaizers, right? Paul was constantly just being hounded by these Judaizers who would go to all of his church plants And basically, tell his congregations that no, Paul actually is wrong. Yes, you need Jesus, but you also need to be circumcised, and you also need to obey the law of Moses. And so, they would probably try to, you know, um, slander Paul's character by saying, you know, he's really just doing this for the money. Mm. You shouldn't give him that. You should not give him that money next time he comes, right? Because he's going to take the money and run. That kind of thing. So, I think that knowing Paul through the scriptures. He's a smart guy. He's a Mm. wise guy. And ultimately, like he says very explicitly, not only in this chapter that we just read, but so many other places, he does everything for the glory of God. If you just give him food and clothing, he'll be content. Right. Mm -hmm. He knows how to abide with plenty and he knows how to get along with very little. He doesn't do it for the money. Right. And knowing Paul's evangelical bent, he's probably out there making tents, selling those tents in the marketplace. And sharing the gospel the entire time, Mm -hmm. you know that that gets him out in front of people.
1: Well, and I was going to say, even in this chapter, one of the other reasons why he may have chose to work in this society, being a a affluent area, a high merchant city, Mm. was maybe for the sake of being able to relate to the people in order to share the gospel. Totally, because he says that in nineteen through. 23, Mm -hmm. for though I'm free from all, I have made myself a servant to all that I might win more to them. Yeah. To the Jews that became a Jew in order to win Jews, Uh, to those under the law became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law became one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them and its blessing. Mm-hmm. So another reason why he may have chose within this context in Corinth is because of the merchant landscape and how it was a bustling city and saying, hey, I'm going to be one of the people. I'm going to make tents and I'm going to share the gospel. Yeah. Another, a better platform, which is another reason sometimes to give up your rights, as we talked about, for the advancement of the kingdom. And sometimes, like, if you're a missionary going into a a city, Mm -hmm. the best way to build a platform, to build relationships, to get to know people in the community is to become part of the community in terms of a job or starting a business
0: yeah i mean that's that's Mm -hmm. probably the utility of why paul chose that route yeah that's definitely going to be a factor because there's missionary organizations now that that teach that model Mm -hmm. you know let's train up these people in the culture in the language but then also they have to take a business into these unreached people group areas especially where the gospel is literally illegal
1: right but you as a business owner you can be there and then share your faith alongside
0: but that's right you're, you're there to do business Right. So I mean all of the reasons that we've discussed listeners that's probably why Paul surrendered his rights but there were times where Paul did receive uh, support mm. from other churches uh, if you go read in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 you'll see that the Macedonian churches actually supported Paul while he was at Corinth um, and there's many other places like in Ephesus where Paul was teaching in the hall of Tyrannius you know he used that hall during the oft periods you know where the other owners of that hall or other philosophers that would maybe rent the space out weren't using it. And that was, you know, according to the notes in the MacArthur study Bible between the hours of 11 AM and 4 PM. So Paul's teaching for five hours a day, you Mm. know, if he's going to be teaching for five hours a day, leaves him, you know, another five, maybe six hours to go out to the marketplace and sell stuff Mm. in the morning. But maybe he was receiving support from other churches, you know? Mm. Um, But either way, Paul, Paul knew how to get along while working himself, right. and also depending on others for support. But the overarching principle here, <clears throat> again, we're going to connect it back to the, the context here, is that Paul's primary reason for foregoing his rights was so that he could spread the gospel, right? so that he could love other people with the same love that Jesus Christ loved him, meaning self-sacrificial love. And so that's the ultimate point that we wanna take away from today's podcast, mm-hmm. that even if you have a right as a child of God, you should forego it. If not foregoing, it means you're leading a your brother to stumble and ultimately sin. That's right.
1: The gospel has to take precedence. The two, great, the two things that I think about, you said about it earlier, when I'm making decisions, when it comes to biblical decision-making, I just take the two greatest commandments and ask myself that question. Mm-hmm. What's most glorifying to God? I have no other gods before me. That question has to be in view. And the second question is what's most loving and serving to others? Love being the agape love to advance the gospel in the lives of other people around me. Mm-hmm. Those two questions, if I ask those and in, in making a decision that has a gray area, usually makes it a whole lot more clear. Mm-hmm. Um, because when you really are honest with yourself, you know what would be glorifying a God and loving for the purpose of advancing God's kingdom in most situations.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So we hope you've benefited from listening to this. And we thank you for listening to another episode of the Nehemiah Project podcast. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Nehemiah Project
1: podcast. For more resources about addiction recovery, suicide prevention, and overcoming other life-controlling issues, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram and visit our website, tnproject.org. If you or someone you love is struggling, don't hesitate to reach out to us by calling 985-205-3022.